You're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. And now I'll move the Q-tips. I don't need to clean my ears during this session. 2 Peter, chapter number uno. First number. Hey, I changed the handout this week, so the handout is correct. So you can read it right off your handout, three through six. So, but if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there either way. We're going to turn to a couple passages here this evening. Our topic, of course, is godliness. Well, let's go ahead and back up. Let's go ahead and do this since we, since there's just a few of us in here. Let's have some fun. What is virtue? What is virtue? Excellence. <laughs> Excellence. Excellence, yes. What is it? Accomplishing my what? Purpose. Purpose. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> he's just letting you know that he's still in here with us, even though he's putting his guitar away. All right, so we've got, we've got excellence. I mean, virtue is excellence, and it's my purpose. What stops me from accomplishing my purpose? What stops me from accomplishing my purpose? Kirkland. The flesh, the world, and Satan. The flesh, the world, and Satan. What do they do? Yes, distract, deceive, and delight. The devil deceives me, the world distracts me, and my flesh will delight in me all the way to destruction. All right, so after I add to my faith virtue, what do I add to it next? Not patience. Knowledge. Yes, exactly. I added knowledge. Where do I get that knowledge from? This is key for today. The word of God. All right. So I don't get this knowledge from random Joe Schmo off the street. I get this knowledge from the word of God. So after I add knowledge, what do I add next? Temperance. Temperance. What is temperance? Self-control. Yes, self-control. Where do I learn to control myself? From my... What did I just add to it? What did I just add to, to make temperance? Temperance. Knowledge, yes. I learned temperance from knowledge. I get the knowledge. Remember, I get to know who God is. My illustration that even some of you have brought up a lot was my Starbucks illustration of, wow, I know my wife. She doesn't like flowers, but she loves Starbucks. Even yesterday, I went and got her Starbucks. And when she said she, I was playing. I was, yesterday was my day off, so I was being a little lazy and playing video games for a little bit. And she said, she's like, oh, man, I should have had to get some Starbucks. So then a little while later, I shut my video games off, went to Starbucks and get her uh, Starbucks. Like, I told her it was like David in the well of Bethlehem. She wanted, oh, some water from the well of Bethlehem. And I charged the enemy lines to get her Starbucks. That was my. Not pour it out. <laughs> exactly. She didn't pour it out. So. Praise the Lord as I drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, we add it to that knowledge, temperance. So, I get that self control because I know who God is. And so now I start to put my body in subjection to obedience to God. So, after knowledge and then I add temperance, what do I add next? Patience. Patience. What is, what is patience? What's the key word there? Long suffering. Not long suffering. Endurance. Yeah, yes, yes. Endurance. Endurance. That means what, it, what, what, what is special about that endurance. Temperance is me controlling myself. What is... It's where oh. you endure things that you can't control. Right. Out of the things that are out of my control. So I'm getting hit with things that are out of my control. How do I handle those? I can control myself. Well, at least I should be able to. Lord willing, we're working towards that. But then 
I should be able to endure with patience. We talked about Job. We talked about Joseph. These guys having situations beyond their control, but they're still trusting God. So we add to patience, now we're adding godliness. Last week, you saw right on your handout, this is our definition for godliness. Living in obedience to God's word from a principle of love to him and reverence of his character and precepts. So who is our demonstration of godliness? Who is our demonstration of God? Is it written there? Noah and Lot. Yeah, yeah. So that's your blank. Noah and Lot. Remember, Noah goes for the long play. Lot lives for right now. And this is going to be, as we talk tonight, tonight's and last night's are going to link. So Noah and Lot, you're going to see the demonstration of godliness and how do we develop godliness. Now, as we get started, I'm about to have a word of prayer because we have not yet had a word of prayer. But I'm going to tell you, when I first studied this today, there has been three point gazillion distractions for me today to keep me from trying to get where I want to today. And I was praying, I was like, Lord, I do not. How do we develop godliness? And I, God, I want to put this time in it, but it's like, it seems like every time someone comes to my office and says, hey, I need this. I had a meeting with this guy and then doing this and things are just going crazy today. But after I got a chance to sit down for a couple hours and just look through this passage, I think God has given us something from here from God. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 4 that I think we all need, that helps us with godliness. So how do I attain to godliness? Godliness is not this thing way up here that I never can attain to. I can attain to godliness. I can be, and not like in Satan's way of saying I can be like God, I can be like the Most High, but I can be godly, what God wants me to be. And I think we find in this first Timothy, I mean, second Timothy passage. Let's pray real quick and we'll get started. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you for the opportunity it is to be in your house. And Lord, as we look at godliness, Lord, and what it is to magnify you in our lives, Lord, to be obedient, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, help us to put the things out of our mind, and Lord, focus on your word for just a few minutes. Lord, as we go through this passage, God, would your Holy Spirit please just work in my heart, work in uh, our young people's hearts, so that we learn what godliness is and then strive for it. Lord, we need your help so badly in this next few minutes, so we thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go. Second Peter 1, 3-6. Let's read it together in our wonderful, unified, excited way. Second Peter 1, 3-6. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. So, as we look at it, the development of godliness, part two, the development of godliness. Second Timothy chapter four. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn over there. Second Timothy chapter number four. This is not, this whole passage is not on your handout. Second Timothy chapter Number four. Now, I'm going to encourage you again, if you have a copy of God's Word, to bring it. If you, even if it's a digital copy, it's okay. I usually would use my digital copy. But 2 Timothy chapter number four, we're going to look at this passage, and this is where I believe we find what, God, God, what godliness is. Actually, it's 1 Timothy chapter four. So that is a wrong, a mistake. So you can just, where it says 2 Timothy, and write for 1 Timothy. So that's my bad. 1 Timothy 4. One through, one through seven. 
says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, unlike myself. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good ministry of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Verse number seven, this is our key. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. Amen. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. So this is the passage that we're going to map out tonight with godliness. I know I sit down and I study the passage out. And so I read through a passage, a long passage with a lot of big words, and what happens in our, in our wonderful Christian minds is I start reading a couple of big words, two verses into it, and everybody's like, blank, like, come on, let's get with me, and everybody just kind of fades out. But we're going to walk through this passage because I think this is key. How do I achieve godliness? So number one. Well, not one, the word exercise. But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. The word exercise here is where we get our, the, in the, not that I'm always going to the Greek, like the scholars, but if you go to the Greek, it's the same word that we get our word, gymnasium. It means to train. It means to train. It's funny. I'm going to give you, I'll give you a, a homework assignment, and I think you may find some humor in it. Go on the internet and find the etymology, which is the def- the, where the word came from, of the word gymnasium. Just look up the word gymnasium. Don't do it now. <laughs> it's a, you can do it right after class. I don't care. I, but look up the word gymnasium and then find out what it, where, what it means and what it comes from. It'll, it'll make you probably smile and laugh. But then it has no bearing on this biblical passage, but it probably will make you smile and laugh. So exercise means to train. So how do I develop godliness? I work for godliness. Get this. Real quick before we go any further. The Bible says here, exercise yourself in godliness. Godliness is like being an athlete. Right now, it's not exactly like, but it's compared to here in this passage. Now, right now, if I were to go and say I was going to run a 26-mile marathon... Most of you are even smiling because that thought that I could even think about trying to run a 26-mile marathon. And just say I get up on the line and I get there and all these other guys are wearing their, their tight shorts and their, their uh, tank tops and stuff like that. And they're, they're standing there getting ready to go. And here I come, my khakis, my polo shirt. And I get up on the line and they shoot the little gun off and I go half a mile, and I stop. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You would look at me and you'd say, Pastor Burden, you should have known you you weren't going to make that. You weren't going to make the 26 miles. The same thing with God. See, here's what happens in our Christian life. We fall over and over and over again. The devil deceives us. The world distracts us. And we're like, I don't understand this Christian life. I'm trying really hard, and I'm not making it. 
Godliness is something that has to be developed. Right now, if I told you that I expected you to read your Bible for an hour tomorrow, I want you to take an hour out of your day, and I want you to do nothing but delve into the Word of God. For most of you, you look at that and you say, wow, that would be a long 60 minutes. Some of you would say, that's no problem. I'd be, if, if somebody allowed me to have an hour of my schedule to just study the Word of God, that would be awesome. And Lord, the Lord's good. I'm to that point because that's what I get paid to do. So I sit in my office with, for hours and study the Word of God, and I have a good time doing it. In fact, when people knock on the door, I'm like, would you please just give me some more time here? I am studying God's Word because <laughs> I enjoy it. But, as, but it, takes, it takes to grow to that. And see, what I'm going to tell you tonight is a process of exercise. Just as if you were going to be an athlete and train for Olympics or anything like that, this godliness, being like God has called me to do, takes works, okay? So as much as right now you look at your life and you say, Pastor Burden, I am not godly. I am not, I need to start working that way. It's a process. So everything we're going to talk tonight is a process. This is something that I'm going to have to get up. I'm going to have to work out. I'm going to have to keep going. All right, so the development of godliness. Let's go over. How do you develop godliness? Number one, this is basic as I'll get out, but it's key. Learn and apply God's word. Learn and apply God's word. First Timothy 4, 6-7 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Doctrine is simply teaching. We make it like this. It's this huge thing. Doctrine. It's just the teaching of the word of God. Whereunto thou hast detained, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Letter A. Study God's word. First, Second Timothy 2.15. Study God's word. And B. Respond to biblical teaching. Respond to biblical teaching. So here's the key. How do I develop godliness? First of all, I go back to that knowledge. I learn and apply God's word. This is what was happening in the church that Paul's writing to Timothy. There were people coming in and they were trying to tell people what was godliness. And they came up with all these things, but people believed it. You read the passage before that I just read. They said, well, if you're going to be godly, you don't get married. So people were coming into the church saying these things. Hey, if you, if you really want to be godly, Rami, you, you're just going to abstain from marriage. Like, because you're going to be able to be so much better used of God if you're not married. And you know what? People that didn't know the word of God, that's what they thought. Oh, man. It's godly. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to get married. I want to live a godly life. And, I mean, and Paul tells Timothy, hey, these things aren't true. These things aren't right. But people are saying what godliness is, and we live in a day, too, where the same thing happens. We measure our godliness by outside things. Well, to be godly, you have to. Well, to be godly, you need to. And Paul's saying, hey, read the word of God. People are coming in and saying, well, hey, to be godly, you can't eat those kind of meats. Nope. If you eat those kind of meats, there's no way you can be godly. And people were believing it. They would believe it. They would go to the markets and they'd look at it and they'd say, ah, I can't eat that kind of meat. I really want to be godly. And Paul's saying, what? 
We know that everything has been given to God with thanksgiving. It can be eaten, and it's not a problem. But all these people are believing it, and they believe what godliness is. As you develop godliness, here's what has to happen. You have to, you have to read and apply the word of God. You cannot take everybody's word for what is in the word of God. You know what? As much as I love to study the word of God, and I love to come into this room and try and teach you guys or try to throw out what I've learned this week, can I ask you, don't just take my word for it. Get the word of God and apply it to your lives. He says, study it. So you can be nourished. That's exactly what the passage uses, the, the word the passage uses, as a baby would need nourishment. You need the word of God. And this is key because really right now, I thought about doing this, but I'm not going to. I thought about throwing questions out at you guys and why we do this and would you be godly if you do this. And the sad thing is, in our lives, we do a lot of things because somebody told us that was godliness. My goal for you guys is that you do things deliberately from the Word of God. There may be a day where you guys graduate, and I talked to Cody about this before he, before he left. Me and Cody had lunch. And I said, Cody, there may be a day when me and you sit across the table, and Cody's a youth pastor, and that's what he was going to school for. And I said, he's going to school for. And I said, if we'll sit across the table, and you'll tell me, Pastor Burton, I don't agree with what, you, what you're doing in your youth group. And I said, Cody, I am not going to have a problem with that as long as I know that you open the word of God and you found out deliberately why you don't agree with me. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid. I am not afraid that one of you guys will one day open this book and say, oh, I found out something that they weren't telling me. No, I'm trying to ask you. I'm saying, please read the book. Don't take my word for it. Know the word of God. And see, Paul's saying there's people, Timothy, that are coming in the church and they're lying to people, saying this is godly in our day. Now, I believe you ought to have a high standard of music. So I'm not, when I say this, listen to me, I am not making fun of godly music. But if someone were to come into the church and say, well, you know what? You're not godly if you're not listening to my style of music. That's nowhere in the Bible. I mean, unless they have a godly music standard. You find out a God of music standard by opening the word of God and find out what God has. My goal for you guys is everything in your life, you ask this question, what does God's word have to say about it? I mean everything. Hey, what kind of, who, what kind of guy should I marry? What does the Bible have to say about it? What kind of girl should I marry? Well, what does the Bible have to say about it? And I am, I, we, we make fun of it, make light of it. Like, oh, well, just look at the Bible and everything. No, I'm serious. I want you to, that to be your thought. What does God's word have to say about it? Because when you get that point, this is the first step to godliness. Because I can tell you, there are a lot, I believe, and I could be wrong, I'm going for a stretch here but I would believe that most of you want to live a godly life. But see, the problem is we want everybody to tell us how to do that. Hey, to be godly, you need to go to such and such Christian college. To be godly, you need to listen to this kind of music. To be godly, you need to do this. No, I'm saying to be godly, you open God's word and you begin to study it. You begin to figure out. And not only do you study it, but you obtain to biblical teaching. So it's like, I don't understand everything in the Bible. It is a huge book. But you know what I do? I find somebody who does and I ask. Hey, 
I was reading this passage the other day, and I don't quite get what God's trying to say here. Ask. And if somebody doesn't know, I hope that you have people in your life that would say, you know what? I don't know, but I'll get back to you. But get in the word of God. This is key because this is why one day you'll graduate and you'll go to a church. And you'll walk in the door. You'll look around. If you don't know that book right there, because they have Baptist on the name, you're going, these people are doing backflips, hailing and snakes, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And they'll have a reason. Well, we do this because. Are you going to know the word of God well enough to say, okay, that's not biblical? Or are you going to walk in and say, wow, these people are like waving their arms. They're doing all this. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with waving their arms. I don't think there's anything wrong with clapping. But I'm going to ask you, do you know why? Have you studied the word of God? Have you looked at it? Well, I'm only 12. Who cares? You have to start to study the word. This is the beginning of God. And it's just like I said, this is something that has to be worked on. To play basketball, there's a um, Pastor George's. I was over there and uh, over in Emmanuel. And I preached chapel over there yesterday. We were eating lunch and he told me about these. I had never heard of the videos, but there are uh, some Pepsi videos about a, a guy named Dr. Drew. He's really an NBA basketball, I mean, Uncle Drew. And he's, he's an NBA basketball player who dresses like an old man. And he goes out and plays basketball in the, uh, on the street parks. And, then, and so he walks in as an old man and he goofs off. And of course, after a while, he just starts unleashing on these guys and hitting shots and dunking on people and stuff like that. And everybody, of course, they don't know that he's really, they think he's really just an old man. And so everybody's like, oh, do you see that old man? And it was, they're funny videos. But all through the video, he, he makes fun of people and he says, you don't know the fundamentals. You don't know the basics. And he always calls them young blood. So he's like, and he'd, he'll dribble past and he's like, you young bloods don't know nothing about the fundamentals. Don't know nothing about the basics. And can I say this is where we are as Christians today? We don't know the word of God. If I ask you, hey, why do you use the King James Bible? We use, here I'm at, we use a Bible, King James Bible at Trinity. That's why we use it. Why do you dress like you do? Why? The first part of God is me getting the word of God and saying, what does the Bible say about this? How does God respond? And this is huge. It's so basic, but it is huge in the start of God. So what's the second? Let's go. Learn to apply God's word. Number two, look at life from the perspective of eternity. Look at life from the perspective of eternity. First Timothy 4 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little. So he's not saying don't exercise, but he's saying in the scope of things, bodily exercise, for you to train your body to do something physically, profits little. But godliness is profitable on all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So, bodily exercise right now, if I were to, and obviously I am not. If I were working out like a madman, I was in the perfect best shape of my life. That's a good thing. But honestly, it profits little because it's only for this life. So let's say I put in 70 years here on earth. And in 70 years, I was in peak physical condition all 70 of those years. You never saw me like I look like right now. And if I did that, that profits little. But see, here's what he's trying to say. But godliness profits now and in the life to come. This is a whole different thought process than what we're taught in our culture. We even have 
Hashtag live for now. Hashtag YOLO, you only live once. Yolf. <laughs> Yolf. <laughs> you only live forever. You only live forever. <laughs> exactly. And that is the way that we must think. Now, here's the key. Let's go. Well, turn over real quick. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Second Peter chapter 3. If you have a Bible, Second Peter chapter 3. This is a key passage. And I did get the right second this time. It is second. Second Peter 3, 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and that which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. There is also in the works that are therein shall be burned up. So this is a very encouraging verse. The day of the Lord is going to come, and everything on earth is going to be burned up. <laughs> Keep going, verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy and conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So here's what Peter says. He asks us a question. What is it that you live for? Can I ask you? Noah. And Lot. We talked about them last time. One has an eternal perspective. One has a right now. Lot says, man, I like living in Sodom. I want the well-watered plains. He goes and lives in Sodom. Even though he's a godly man, the Bible says he's a just man. It vexes his soul to see the filthiness and the wickedness that happens in Sodom. But he still lives in there. Nothing changes. I told you guys last week. The day they're going to destroy Sodom. They're trying to grab Lot out and pull him out. Lot, you got to get out of here. You got to get. The men grab Lot and pull him out of Sodom. And he's still trying to hold on to it. Second Peter just gives us a question. Okay. Most encouraging verse in the Bible. The whole earth is going to be burned up and everything in it is going to melt away. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> Nothing like encourages my soul than that. But then he asks, then how should you live? With an eternal perspective. Okay, so I may live 70 years here in great physical condition. It profits little. I mean, when I walk around the earth, maybe I can lift things. I can do things. Maybe I look really good. And when everybody sees me as a 70-year-old man that's ripped up to pieces, like, oh, man, that, that old man's ripped. And it, and it profits little. But, you know, godliness profits now through eternity. Let me ask you, are you living with eternity in mind? With eternity in mind? With the reality that everything you put in, everything you build in this life is going to burn up one day. It changes your whole perspective. Because you know what? If I think about it like that, as a husband, as a dad, I look at that and I say, what does it matter if I have the world's biggest house? What does it matter if I drive the world's nicest car? I mean, honestly, what does it matter? If I were to pull up right now, I like Aston Martins. And if I were to pull up in the church parking lot and Pastor Burns spot, you came to church and an Aston Martin was sitting there. Can I tell you, that would be amazingly awesome. I would go out and just start it before and just let it run all during church just so I could hear it. And that would be great. But can I ask you, what does it profit for eternity? And see, in our culture, we're told right now, live for now. 
Live for now. Hey, do what you want. Do what feels good now. Because you only have, and you know what? If you, if there is no eternity, I would agree with the world. If there's no eternity, there is no heaven, there is no hell, I would agree. Live for right now. Hey, I would tell all of you, I would say right now, go do something that you think is fun because that is awesome. But we live for more than just right now. The second part of godliness is not only do I get in the word of God, but I have an eternity and perspective. I study in school. With not just so I can pass this class with my eternity in perspective. How can I be used of God? This is huge because we do not think this way. I do not think this way. And I am working towards it because just like I said, this is a, a something that has to be trained into. Well, God wants me to be married one day. And if that's the truth, if I'm living the light of eternity that one day God's going to give me a spouse, I have to live like that. I don't chase every guy. I don't chase every girl. I live with eternity in mind that one day God's going to give me someone that I'm going to be married to. I live not for the now. This is what Godness is made of. Seeing that all these things are going to melt away. It doesn't matter if I wear the nicest clothes in my school. It really doesn't. Because it's all going to go away one day. One day we're going to be walking around the streets of gold and I don't think anybody's going to remember when we're walking on the streets of gold and wearing God's clothing. Hey, do you remember when you wore that really awesome shirt? To youth group that one day, that was a really cool shirt. Because all this is going to pale in comparison to what God gives us in heaven if we are believers. So we got to live for eternity. This is the steps to God. So first, I know God's word. I get to understand it. I delve in it. Why? So when the error comes, hey, let me tell you how to be godly. You avoid marriage. You don't eat these meats. That's not what the Bible says, man. Get out of here. I know what the Bible says. And then I live with eternity. Body, body exercise profiteth little. But godliness profiteth for this life and the life is to come. Lastly, and this is the biggest thing ever, that we are not doing. Hmm? Oh, how should I look at my life? Sorry. How should I look at life? Sorry. Second Peter 3, 10 through 14. Number three, live a God-centered life. Live a God-centered life. For therefore we labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So we live a God-centered life. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. I think that's all your blanks, right? Before it, so don't pack up on me. Give me one more thought. How do you know, how do you develop Godliness? First of all, you get in God's Word and you study it. You know it. Not somebody else's. Right now, I am studying two passages of Scripture to learn it. I'm trying to learn two passages of Scripture, one for Pastor Ferguson and one for our Honduras trip, and I'm trying to begin 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. But you know what? These things are what I should be pursuing. I should be getting to know the Word of God. That Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So I learn, know the Word of God and apply it to my life. When I hear something preached and I see, oh, my life's not living that way, I have to change me. All right? So I live and apply the Word of God. Secondly, I live with eternity and, and the scope of things. If I lose everything, what does it matter? Kind of like Job. The Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Lastly, I have a God-centered life. Look at that verse one more time, then I want to tell you something that I think is the saddest thing in the world. 
2 Corinthians 5, 14-15, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he that died for all, that they which live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now listen to this, because this is the way we would normally think this verse. And that he died for all, that they which live should not go to hell. That's, what we, that's the only way we think of this verse. He died for all that they which live should not go to hell. And then we would keep it there. That's not what the verse says at all. But this is the Christianity that we live. I'm not going to hell. I got saved. I'm not going to hell. But the Bible says that he died for me. Why? That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So here's the illustration that we are given here in the word of God. Most of us, and this is a good thing, and I'm not trying to make fun of it, so stay with me the whole time. Have a testimony of this. My testimony would probably be the same. As a seven-year-old boy, I heard someone talk about hell, and I said I didn't want to go there. I heard about hell. So I jumped into the arms of God. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to die and spend eternity in hell. So I'm getting saved. I'm jumping into the arms of God. I am saved because I don't want to go to hell. And then once I find out, oh, I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. (laughs) Thanks, God. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to go do what I want. (laughs) I'm going to listen to what I want to listen to. But hey, the Lord is almost saying, I died for you. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Well, I'm okay. Because I can't die and go to hell. I have eternal security. I love this. I do what I want to do. But that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible says he died for us not so we could jump in his arms and say, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I'm saved because I don't want to go to hell. He said, I died for you so that you could live for me. Wow. That's the opposite of the Christianity that we live. That's the opposite of how we share the gospel. Well, can I tell you, sir, about the, you need to go to heaven because if you don't go to heaven, you're going to have to spend eternity in a place called hell. And it's bad. But God says, that's not why I died for you. I died for you so that you could live for me. Whoa. That changes Christianity. That changes how I walk, how I talk. Why? Because he loved me. The love of Christ constrains me that if one died for all, then we were all dead. So that I'm not going to live for Aaron Burden. I live for him who died for me. So I look at Calvary and I don't say, whew, thanks. I'm not going to hell. Let me put in my, my music and go listen to the music I want. Let me go turn on the television and watch what I want to watch. That is not what Jesus Christ died for. If that had been, that would have been a waste of time. But the Bible says he died so that we could live for him. So the step for godliness is that I come to a God-centered life. It is not, well... I don't do that because my mom and dad said, I don't, I don't do that because, you know, I'm a Christian. No, it's, I'm living for the person who gave his life for me. We sing the song, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done for me? But that's why he died. He let men spit in his face so that Aaron Burden would live for him. 
he let men nail him to a cross, not just, which he did get so I wouldn't have to go to hell. He did. But that wasn't the only reason. He did it because he wanted Aaron Burden to live for him a God-centered life. But that's not the life we live. Our life is God maybe on Sunday mornings, and I have to drag myself out to do that. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm not saying like, because I understand we have busy weekends. Come in Sunday school, sit down, sit through the morning service. Oh, man, I can barely stay awake. Man, it's tough. Wow, it's so early. Come back Sunday night, do what we want to do. Monday, oh, I don't have time to read the Word of God. Do things that we know that are against God. And I'm, I'm right here with you because I'm not knocking you guys. Do the things that I'm not supposed to. Listen to stuff that I'm not supposed to. Come back. Yeah, Wednesday. Man, love it. Being back in youth group. Yes, we're back. First time I've opened my Bible all week. Can I say that the steps to godliness are this? That I learn the word of God and I get to know it. I understand it because I don't want to get error. I don't want someone to walk up to me and start telling me lies. And because I don't know the word of God, I, I believe all of them. And then... As I start to believe God's word, I start to look at life with eternal perspective. It's not all about right now. Seeing that all these things are going to burn up and go away, how should I live? I, I should live godly. That's what Second Peter says. I, I should live godly. And then I move everything to a God-centered life. Everything in my life revolves around God. The friends I have revolve around God. See, the things that I allow in my life revolve around God. Even as I play as an athlete or a musician, I do these things all for the honor and glory of God. And my life turns honor and glory. Why? Because he gave himself for me. And when I begin this process, this is the process of exercising. You know what? As you would lift, as the weightlifter would start, he's not going to start with like 600 pounds and just like, mm, mm, and then I can't do anything with it. But the next day I just come in 600 pounds again. Mm, mm, I can't do anything with it. The next day I come in 600 No, he's going to start slow and he's going to work at it until one day he's powerlifting. The same thing happens with God in this. It's not going to happen one day. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and just say, what do you know? I'm godly. It's going to require some time where I spend time in the word of God. You know what? Right now, it may be terrible for you to have to think about spending an hour in the word of God. Whoa, how in the world would I do that? I wouldn't even know what to do after like 10 minutes. Then you know what you do? You spend 10 minutes and you acquire the exercise to godliness and you grow. I can't pray for an hour. Then you pray for as long as you can for a list that you've got of things in your heart. And you develop it. Till one day you can grab a prayer list and you can pray for an hour. And it's nothing. It's like, man, I just need some more time to get in prayer. This is where we, we need to go. Because if a man have these things in him and bound, they make him that he shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. So we're pushing to godliness. And that's our goal. All right? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. And Lord, as we look at Godliness and I look at it in my own life, God, I desire to go this direction, God, and I'm not there. But Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to grow me to this space. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as I've rambled on, that you would please help our young people to understand, God, the necessity of Godliness in our lives. Lord, as we add these things into our lives that you've commanded us to be godly, it's not something Lord, that we're just trying to do to make everybody think we're spiritual. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. But God, it's a chance that we get to know you and they'll love you and obey you because of what you've done for us. Help 
Help us, Lord, to develop this in our lives. Thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.